You can take everything from me, but you can't take away my legacy. You can't take away my legacy. You can't take away my legacy. Hear that? I started my prison project when I was 23 years old. They call me Lamborghini. Yeah. Let me put it this way. You can't take everything from me, but you can't take away my legacy. You can't take away my legacy. You can't take away my legacy. At the age of 23, usually I just do music to entertain my followers. But it got to a point where I asked myself a simple question. I'm like, who are you? You know, what is your purpose in this world? What are you, what is the legacy you want to leave behind? And I couldn't even answer that question. I didn't even know who I was. I didn't know what my purpose was. And I realized I had a big voice, you know, being a musician, I have a voice in the society. So I told myself, how can I help being a musician? So I reached out to the Nigerian prison system, you know, the controller general of prison, Olushala Gundikme, at the time. And I said to him, I would like to introduce music concerts as a form of therapy into the Nigerian prison system, whereby we perform, we bring other musicians to perform, and then we speak, we bring motivational speakers to also speak to these inmates, to give them hope, help them find their purpose while they are incarcerated. The prison is a group of people who have been rejected. You know, the society doesn't have, want to have anything to do with them, only the religious members of the society. So you only get to see church or Islamic groups you know visit the prison you know or sometimes um uh like a, a youth group you know when they just want to show younger kids to you know not to get involved in crime but that is not really helping these guys because it's like when they come back from prison there is no job opportunity there is a, there is a lot of stigmatization and segregation Hello, dear listeners. This is your co-host for the One in Four podcast, Bea Spadaccini. I hope that you're well and staying safe. So the amazing Afrobeat musician you just heard is Mr. Yinka Lawanson, whose stage name is Lamborghini. Yeah, you heard that right. Lamborghini, like the beautiful Italian car from my native country of Italy. Well, Lamborghini, or Lambo for short, is also a global prison ambassador with the United Nations and a graduate of YALI, the Young African Leaders Initiative of the State Department. He is passionate about human rights of prisoners all over the world and intentionally uses his music platform to draw attention to prison conditions in his native country of Nigeria, as well as in the rest of Africa and also in the United States of America the country that has the highest number of people incarcerated in the world. I met Lambo online. No, it's not what you're thinking about. It was not a dating app. I met him on LinkedIn, the premier professional networking platform. One day, as I was reading my LinkedIn messages and looking at my feed, I saw a post by Lambo on his work as a global prison ambassador for the United Nations. I started following him and really liked his focus on improving prison conditions in sub-Saharan Africa. 
Having lived in East Africa myself for seven years, I understood his desire to draw attention to prisons in that part of the world because of the many human rights abuses that go unnoticed inside prisons and jails in the continent. I wrote to him and sent him a link to the One in Four podcast, while also mentioning my experience in Kenya and Rwanda. Since he has so many followers, I figured he probably would not even write back. But he actually did. And later I found out that he was coming to Washington, D.C. to give a speech at the World Bank about global prison reform. That was my chance. I asked if we could meet for an interview, and we did. Lambo was also kind enough to come with me to visit some local reentry programs in Washington, D.C. So when you are here in the States and you talk at the U.N. and you talk at the World Bank, what's your message? When I'm at the U.N., at the World Bank, I realize that the only way we can achieve, you know, prison reform from the top and all over the world is to bring it to where the world leaders are gathered, is to bring it to the institution the world leaders respect. My message is simple. Until the world leaders understand the fact that the only way we can achieve an inclusive, sustainable society is ensuring that we leave no one behind, which includes men and women who are behind bars. You know, what is the society doing to ensure re-entry is successful? And what is the society also doing to ensure, you know, that while they are in prison, that they are transformed even before they come back to the society? So that has been my message Tell us what's the situation of reentry in Nigeria and in sub-Saharan Africa based on your experience and what you know. It is nothing compared to America. <laughs> when you come out of prison, nobody cares about housing for you. That is not even on the topic. It's not, it's, it has never been discussed. Reentry, without, we don't even have reentry centers. It's almost like when you come out of prison, you have to go fight for yourself. That's why there is a lot of re, um, re-offenders, because they come back to the society, the society has rejected them, no opportunity. Very few of them find their way around, maybe through family support, but there is no structure for housing. There is no structure like to ensure that anyone coming back from prison gets education. We don't have that kind of structure, and which is part of my main mission right now to see how can we help men and women who are returning back from prison achieve basic housing? How can we also help them achieve education in order for them to be able to integrate properly into the society? So when you try to do that comparison, it's like it's, it's uncomparable because it's, it's like it doesn't exist here. Going inside the prisons and seeing the conditions of inmates in Nigeria prompted Lambo to start a nonprofit in his native country called I Believe in Africa Initiative, which focuses on education, reentry, and legal aid. One of the things that his organization has accomplished is raising money to pay bail for nonviolent offenders who have committed minor crimes. The bail amount in Nigeria can be as low as $20. But that is a considerable amount for many of the poor people who are locked up and awaiting trial in Nigeria. 
We have a bail system, but some inmates cannot even pay that of bail. Course. So because they can't pay, they send them to prison. So what I do is I come on board through the help of friends and family. We raise money and we pay off those bills. And so far, through my organization, we've gotten freedom for 120 you know, of minor offenders. And presently, we are also working to see how we can get freedom for 240, you know, and how can we provide legal assistance, you know, to anyone that is in prison awaiting trial for several years and do not have access to legal aid. So you've touched on a number of really important issues. One is the bail and the affordability of the bail, which is also an issue in the States, but of course is a lot higher the bail here. But um, my understanding is that there's a lot of very young people and the minor offenses could be maybe just stealing food because they're hungry, oh, so right? Stealing food is even big. Offenses like, they call it street wandering. Someone is walking down the road, you pick him up, you know, he's just walking down the road, he has not committed any crime. You pick him up and then the next thing, he ends up in prison. Offenses like street trade offense, you know, someone's selling by the roadside, you know, and then you, you pick them up. Yes, the law says do not sell by the roadside, you know, but then when you pick them up and they cannot pay the bill, don't send them to a federal prison. Which also probably is very overcrowded, right? <sighs> overcrowded is an understatement. We have 200 and f 240 correctional services in Nigeria. And as I'm speaking to you, they are all congested. They are all overcrowded, you know, with awaiting trial. How many years sometimes to wait for trial? Like it could be... It could be two years, five years, ten years. You know, I have people that have awaited trials for almost 15 years. So you can imagine, why, why should anyone await trial for ten years? That is a whole decade. And then your case has not even been decided. So these things build up a lot of frustration. It builds up a lot of um, disappointment. It, builds, it builds up a lot of hunger, you know, in the hearts of these incarcerated men and women. And that's why sometimes when they return back to the society, they don't even care about the society because it's almost like the society never cared about them. So some of them just come back. They just want to hurt anyone. They just want to they don't even care anymore, you know, and some of them would rather do anything just to get back into the system, you know, because it's almost like I'm out. The society is still rejecting me. The same society that never helped me in the first place is even rejecting me. No job opportunity, no um, educational opportunity for returnees, nothing like that. So they, they would rather just commit a crime just so that they can go back into the prison where they have friends, they have shelter, you know, and, you know, they, they, it's a lifestyle and they are used to the culture. Is there something else or someone that you knew or something that sparked the interest in prison? Because not everybody turns that way. There's many other people in need of help, and especially in, in sub-Saharan Africa. I've lived there myself for a long time. Mm, HIV AIDS, I mean, you name it. There's a lot of issues that we could start working on, right? So why prison? Uh, sincerely, I think it's just a calling. I've never committed a crime myself. I don't have anyone that has ever been to the prisons. I remember when I started going to the prisons, I used to be so scared because it's, it was not my territory. I was trying to encourage young people not to commit crime. And then I felt like the only way I can encourage them is, let me go to the prison, you know, so they can see 
you know where people are, of their age end up when they commit crime but when i got into the prison what i saw was totally different and and then that was how my passion began i've learned a lot on the journey because when i started i just wanted to sing and go home you know but the more i went back to the prison i realized the music is not enough so that's how i introduced the healing session the forgiveness session and you know self discovery session so it's beyond just the music and the more i did it the more i fell in love with it so anywhere i find myself in the world i must speak up for the prison condition if it's not right you know and that's what that's what we're doing here so i've done two performances in the prisons here in america which has made me the first african artist ever to be able to do a concert inside an american prison ever When I met Lambo, he had already performed twice in the Cheshire Correctional Institution in Connecticut, in a special unit that hosts the True Program, an initiative modeled after a program in Germany that specifically targets young adults between the ages of 18 and 25 years old, and pairs them with older inmates who become their mentors in a radically different environment. The second time Lambo was there in Connecticut in this facility, the warden opened the concert up to more units and offered him to perform in the prison auditorium. Fast forward a couple of months and we managed to bring Lambo's music and uplifting messages to three detention centers in Maryland with the help of some local organizations that have re-entry programs here in the D.C. greater metro area and have been featured in previous episodes of this podcast. A special shout-out goes to Coach Donia Rojas, who runs the American Job Center in the Correctional Facility in Boyds, Maryland, and Christine Delseed, Program Manager and Volunteer Coordinator at the same facility. So what makes my my concert in prison different from every other program is that I perform and speak. So we have we are during the performances we have self-realization, you know, session. In between then we have forgiveness session. In between the music we also have the healing session and then we round it up with music performance. So it's it's a whole package. You see prisoners finding forgiveness because I tell prisoners something. Self-forgiveness is the first step towards freedom. If you don't forgive yourself, you will never achieve freedom. When you are able to forgive yourself, then you can now sit down and look at the situation that brought you into your present state. And then you will be able to find forgiveness on anyone that offended you or anyone that you know you came in contact with that you that led you to end up in where the state where you are. I tell people I'm a self-taught young man. You know, I never I've not I've never been to the university, although I would like to, you know, now because of the way my career has taken me. I would like to, but I never did. 
but I've found myself speaking in higher institutions and in universities in different parts of the world. Um, and that is because I taught myself. You know, I, I found myself. So it is important for me to ensure that every person I visit, I help them to find themselves. When they find themselves, they will be able to see the opportunities that are around them. When Lambo came to visit me in Maryland, we went to the adult jail and two juvenile detention centers. His Afrobeat music is different from what many inmates might be used to hearing, but it was well received and the rhythm stirred their souls. In the Maryland jail, the older crowd was definitely much more receptive to Lambo's music than in the juvenile centers we visited. The young men were harder to get through, but Lambo's charm, kindness, and inspiring words eventually got through to them. A couple of the young men spoke to him after his performance and let down their guards. He offered words of encouragement to each one of them and never lost sight of his purpose. He later said to me that when the young men are alone, back in their cells or in their rooms, and not in front of their peers, they will think about what they heard. This is part of the main reasons why my initiative is different, you know, from Africa. And what I noticed in America and in England when I went into the prison is there is a surprise element. You're from Africa? Oh, wow. How is Africa? So I am not their usual guest, you know. So that element of surprise opens up a pause for me. There is a new baby in their hearts. There is a new excitement. That is the baby I want to talk to. That is the new ground that I want to plant a seed. So when I go into the prisons outside Africa, that surprise element helps me to be able to reach the heart of the inmates I'm talking to. Lambo, who is married to an American citizen and has a home in Connecticut, is determined to continue his prison advocacy work in the U.S. and to bridge the criminal justice reform divide that currently exists between the U.S. and Africa, where prison conditions are abysmal and inmates have very little rights, if any at all. I asked Lambo if he ever worries about his brand as a musician being associated to prison reform. After all, this is not a feel-good topic. Growing up, everybody in prison was a criminal to me. That was the that was the way we were brought up, you know. So even trying to get people to understand and believe that not everyone in prison is a criminal was so challenging. Well, I think it's challenging in the U.S. too, is, because there is the stigma, right? Yes. Once a criminal, always a criminal. Uh, that's what they say, but I don't believe that. Once a criminal is not always a criminal, you know. Once a criminal can be totally transformed to never again becoming a criminal, you know. So um, we also have the issue of sponsorship, you know, because a lot of the suggestions, a lot of the things we're trying to do in prisons, corporate organizations don't want to associate. When you tell them prison, they're like, oh, no, 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 no. I, I, don't, want to, I don't want my brand. It's not so sexy. Yeah, it's not sexy. It's not trendy. They don't want their brand 
in any way to be associated, you know, with the prison. So for several years, I never got sponsored. So what I did was, after facing a lot of rejection, I started going after the people that the society love and look up to, which are the musicians, even the ones that are way bigger than me and more popular than me. I started inviting them into the prison to perform and speak to prisoners. In turn, they go to their social platform and say, oh, today I was in the prison. Shout out to Lamborghini. And now their followers are like, oh, thank you. God bless you for going to the prison. Oh, when next are you going? I would like to come. Part of my goal in America is to see how can I collaborate with American musicians who are also interested in prison reform. Because mostly Americans don't even think about the Africa, African continent regarding prison. But I, that's why I'm here. So I'll be happy if I can collaborate with someone like John Legend. We do a concert together in the prison. That will be, that will be extremely amazing. It's, it has never been done. You know, I know he has never performed in any prison in Africa. There are a lot of Africans that love his music, which means they patronize his, his music as well. Some of some people in prison are his, even they are your fans. You know, how can you also reach out to them? So if we can collaborate on that level, it would allow the cry become even louder, because then when they see American top superstars. Partnering. Oh, Lamborghini has taken this thing to the level where Americans now they want to be part of it. Now the government would want to listen more. Now the policies we're trying to push will be achieved. You know, because now they feel it's trendy. It's hard here too it is. to get because there is mass incarceration in this country and a lot of these musicians are like John Legend, they're trying to draw attention to this. Um, but There is some reform, even under this administration, the First Step Act. There have been some pro there has been some progress, but still we're a long way, right? So, but I agree with you. Getting that type of attention might, at the very least, put the topic on the agenda in Africa. Yeah, it will. And once the topic is put up on the agenda, then you know the solution is coming. The first step to achieving change begins with a dialogue. And not just a dialogue, but ensuring that the right people who can change these policies are involved in the dialogue. These are people that respect the likes of John Legend and top American musicians. If we're able to establish that kind of partnership and see how to even just bring them to say, speak up, say something about the prison system in Nigeria. Say something about the prison system in Africa. The fact that they just opened their mouths to say something, not even coming yet to perform, already that will put the conversation on the table of the world leaders. Kiri, kiri, don't follow, Mr. President. Make we pack up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Kiri, kiri, don't follow, Mr. President. Make we pack up. I went down on Tim Barrio, Mr. Governor. Make we pack up. Yes, punishments done, done to 13 years. Awaiting trial. Family and friends with the pray for me on a daily base. They don't I know that Lambo will achieve his dream of global prison reform. And for full disclosure to our listeners, we hope to be by his side. Because, as Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. stated in his letter from the Birmingham jail in 1963. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. We're caught in an inescapable network of mutuality, 
tied in a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects us all indirectly. This is quite obvious in the times we're living through now. And what better way to leverage music and the arts to unite us all? If your creativity power cannot help major social issues, then I think you have failed the society. That's why we are musicians. Look at the greatest musicians in the world. God did not give you this voice just for yourself and for entertainment. But remember that even while you're entertaining a group, remember there is a group that has been rejected. Is your entertainment just for a certain group? And we're saying we're achieving inclusion? If we truly want to achieve inclusion, that should also include our creative power. Making sure that we use our creativity to make sure that every member of the society is free and safe and treated fairly. It is important. Nelson Mandela said, a nation is not judged by how it treats its highest citizens, but how it treats its lowest citizens who are in prison. So the greatness of a nation is truly how do you treat the lowest citizens? You know, because when you're in prison, it's like that's your lowest point in life. So how do you treat them? We all must rise up, you know, to speak up for these um, men and women who are in prisons or any form of detention or, you know, or jail who cannot speak up for themselves. Remember to follow us on Twitter at One in Four Podcast, all letters, no numbers, and follow us on Facebook. You can subscribe to this podcast via Apple iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts. Also, we're wrapping up season one of this podcast soon, so make sure you stay connected and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you like what we produce so far, please leave us a review because this will help us get discovered by other listeners and find sponsors for our second season. If you have ideas on topics we should cover, do send us an email at podcast one in four at gmail.com. Again, that was podcast one in four at gmail.com. Until next time.